This is Calm and Cozy, episode 48. You're listening to the Calm and Cozy podcast. I'm Beth Wyatt, your insomnia, rest, and self-care coach. I'm also an artist, avid crocheter, expert napper, and occasional blogger. This podcast is full of practical advice for anyone looking for relief from insomnia symptoms, racing thoughts, and bedtime anxiety. I also cover general sleep topics, stress relief, and peaceful self-care rituals. If your life could use a little less busyness and a little more stillness, fill up your diffuser and find your coziest blanket because you're in the right place. You probably won't know this about me, but I used to be a hypochondriac. When I was in grade school, I was convinced I was having a heart attack every day around the time of gym class because my heart would race and my hands would get clammy. It was anxiety from the pressures of having to compete with mean athletic girls in my class. In junior high, I thought I had two tumors until my mom took me shopping for my first bra. In high school, I thought I was slowly dying every time I had an ache or pain. I saw my family doctor regularly. I'm still quick to see a doctor today when I don't feel well. Not because I'm convinced I'm dying, but because I just hate not feeling well. I want to feel great every day, and if something is preventing that, I want to get it out of the way as soon as possible. A statement you will never hear anyone say to me, ever? Beth, you really should go to the doctor to get that checked out. You've been complaining about that for a while. I want to be diagnosed so that I can move forward with a solution ASAP. It took a long time for me to notice that feeling sleepy pretty much all day wasn't normal. In the past, I knew it was because I wasn't getting enough sleep at night. I was a night owl, I was struggling with insomnia symptoms, and averaging four to five hours a night. It's been said by many sleep professionals that midday naps are healthy and perfectly normal. Most people hit a bit of a wall around one or two in the afternoon. A short nap can improve memory, focus, and creativity. If you need a little pick-me-up in the afternoon and a little nap does it for you, you're not alone. But what happens if one nap just doesn't cut it? What if you need to sleep for hours during the day to be able to function? When does needing a nap become a problem? My history with napping goes back to high school, almost 25 years ago. I remember begging my friends to sit at the tables with the carpeted benches so that I could sleep while they ate lunch. In my first podcast episode, I tell my story of sneaking away from a backyard wedding to sleep for an hour. The maid of honor had helped me find a comfy couch in the groom's parents' basement and covered me with a blanket. I didn't do it because I wasn't having fun, but because I was struck with an overwhelming need to sleep, and my brain didn't care that my body had other plans that afternoon. At family gatherings, I'd been known to leave the room to nap on a family member's bed. 
Nobody has ever thought anything of it because my family's always appreciated a good nap. I do come from a long line of epic nappers. I take an afternoon nap every day when I'm able to. I could take more than one nap, but I have things to do. And I admit I do worry what people will think. For years, I've been explaining the pressure in my head that accompanies the said need to nap. And no one can relate, but thankfully no one makes me feel weird about it either. Beth and her naps. It's been a part of my life for so long that it just feels normal. I honestly can't remember the last time I woke up feeling refreshed. Every morning I wake up feeling like I could go back to bed. But I push on because I have to. Any small disruption in my regular sleep habits can make me feel hung over the next day. Getting one less hour of sleep a night can make me feel like I haven't slept in days. Most mornings I wake up and think, I'm going to need a nap later. When a sudden need to nap hits me and I'm not in a situation that will allow it, I fantasize about it. I look for hidden places in the room where a quick nap could go unnoticed. I look at soft places and locked doors and I picture the relief that I would feel if I could just lie down and take the edge off with a few minutes of sleep. When I described these symptoms to my family doctor recently, I felt relieved to hear her confirm what I was thinking. No, this isn't normal. Listen, it's one thing to enjoy an afternoon nap when you need a little pick-me-up, but it's another thing entirely to need a nap to function normally. And that's why I asked my doctor for a referral to a sleep specialist. I love my midday nap, but I would also love a mid-morning nap and an early evening nap. This is in addition to the quality sleep I get every night between 10 p.m. and 7.30 a.m. I think about sleep as much as most people think about food or sex. Lying down in a comfortable spot and having time to sleep is my favorite feeling in the world. Besides finding out my new dress has pockets, the best discovery I can make is a cozy blanket and 30 minutes of available time. I'm not kidding. At any time of the day, if I were offered a chance to fall asleep, I would take it. There will be future episodes about my overnight experience in the sleep clinic, but for now, I want to talk about sleepiness, what's normal, and what's not. I'm not a doctor, obviously, so please don't take this as medical advice. I'm also not telling you that something is wrong with you. I'm simply trying to make you aware of your own possible symptoms so that you and your doctors can find the solution. Let's talk about two words that are often confused for one another, fatigue and sleepiness. From my own experience, I would define fatigue as tiredness of the body and sleepiness as tiredness of the brain. If my body is feeling fatigued, I need to relax and rest to feel relief. If I'm feeling sleepy, I need sleep. Chronic fatigue syndrome is characterized by extreme fatigue that doesn't go away with rest and cannot be explained by an underlying medical condition. Excessive daytime sleepiness is characterized by persistent sleepiness after adequate or prolonged nighttime sleep. I believe I've been wrestling with excessive daytime sleepiness for a while, but before I knew anything about it, 
I figured it was chronic fatigue. The big difference for me is that taking a nap, even a short one, helps. I feel energetic afterwards, and I can continue to function normally until the next feeling of sleepiness arrives, usually within an hour or two. With chronic fatigue syndrome, rest and sleep do not commonly offer relief. For me, resting without sleeping is torture. If I can lie down but I'm not allowed to fall asleep, it makes me even more sleepy. My body's not normally fatigued, but my brain is just really drowsy. I feel foggy, I have a hard time concentrating on tasks for long periods of time. Going to lie down and relax is not going to make me feel better if I can't fall asleep. Only a nap will relieve that feeling. When I was a nanny, I had a hard time keeping up with the kids. It was better for me if I stayed up and active. The moment I was supposed to be the sleeping baby or the hider in hide-and-seek, I was ready to fall asleep. As much as I wanted to be the sleeping baby for the next hour, it was awful because I couldn't fall asleep while watching children, obviously, but that's what I needed to feel better. A few other symptoms I'm experiencing... Drinking alcohol makes me feel even more sleepy. I just don't enjoy a drink anymore because I don't need another reason to go lie down. I don't drive long distances at night because I have a hard time keeping my eyes open. I've never fallen asleep while driving and I know what to avoid so it never happens. If I need to drive a long distance, I'll do it while the sun is still out or I take turns driving with someone else so I can sleep when I need to. Before seeing my doctor, I completed something called the Epworth Sleepiness Scale, which measures the likelihood of feeling drowsy or falling asleep in certain circumstances. This is a simple test that is used to measure and help diagnose excessive daytime sleepiness. You're asked to rate your chance of dozing in the following situations using this scale. Zero is would never doze. One, slight chance of dozing. 2. Moderate chance of dozing. 3. High chance of dozing. What's your chance of dozing off in the following situations? Sitting and reading. Watching TV. Sitting inactive in a public place. For example, a meeting or a theater. As a passenger in a car for an hour without a break. Lying down to rest in the afternoon when circumstances permit. Sitting and talking to someone. Sitting quietly after lunch without alcohol. In a car while stopped for a few minutes in traffic. Add up your answers and compare your score to the following. 0 to 5 is lower normal daytime sleepiness. 6 to 10 is higher normal daytime sleepiness. 11 to 12, mild excessive daytime sleepiness. 13 to 15 is moderate excessive daytime sleepiness. And 16 to 24 is severe excessive daytime sleepiness. My score is in the 20 to 22 range. That's basically in the see a specialist now category. So I did. I saw my doctor and I asked to complete an overnight sleep study at a sleep clinic. My family doctor has always been great about listening to me and my requests, but that hasn't always been the case. 
My former doctor used to make me feel silly for thinking there was a problem, and often dismissed my requests. I remember telling her about my chronic pelvic pain and asking if she thought it could be a fibroid since fibroids and cysts were typical in my family. I also had terrible periods for years. She quickly shook her head and said no and that I was too young for that. She almost laughed me off. I felt really embarrassed. But I was 30 at the time, which is reproductive age and exactly the age that I would develop uterine fibroids or cysts. So a few years later, after persistent visits from me and medication that gave me migraines and nausea, she finally referred me to a specialist and I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis. That's when I learned to stick up for myself when dealing with my doctors. It's my body and I know when I don't feel well. I don't need a PhD to know when something doesn't feel right. And just as I was shopping around for another family doctor, she died of a massive heart attack. And I was referred to another doctor who's currently my family doctor. Listen, of course, I didn't want her to die. I just wanted a new doctor who would listen to me. But it did work out quite well for me at the time. All of this to say, because of my history, before I see my doctor for a referral, even though she's awesome... I make a list of my symptoms and I practice what I'm going to say. I suggest doing this if you worry about being dismissed by your doctor. Tell them all the symptoms that worry you and tell them that you want a referral. Be firm and ask for what you want. I even said, I believe I have symptoms of a sleep disorder when I saw my doctor. I didn't want to go in there for those coveted five moments of her time and say something wishy-washy, like, I don't know, I feel tired all the time. (laughs) Because women my age are commonly tired all the time. Blood tests are important, but I've had them already. I've had my thyroid checked. I've had the blood sugar test done. I wanted the sleep study, so that's what I focused on. If the sleep clinic can't find anything, sure, let's try something else. But I don't want to take the next five to ten years to find the culprit. I want a diagnosis now so I can move forward with a solution. So that's where I am right now, in the waiting for results stage. I don't want to self-diagnose or come up with my own conclusions, so I won't. I'll just wait to see what the sleep study says. I don't want to have a sleep disorder, but my biggest fear is being told that everything's fine and then being sent home with no answers. I know it's not fine and I want to know what's going on and I'm afraid of being dismissed as needing more exercise or needing to drink more water. I've worked really hard to perfect my sleep habits and I've been in the sleep industry long enough to know that feeling tired all the time is not a symptom of healthy sleep hygiene. It's time for some answers. I hope any of my sleepy listeners found this episode helpful. I'll keep you updated, and I hope you'll do the same. You can follow along on Instagram if you like, at sleepcoachbeth. This has been the Calm and Cozy Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening, my beautiful bedtime thinkers. Until next time, sleep well and stay cozy. And to my mom, who listens to my podcast every night as she falls asleep, Good night, Mama.